Hey, 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 welcome to the Pastor Duke Podcast. I am in upstate New York bringing you the Word of God. What a joy it is. Well, today we're going to do David, section two, in his own words. Hope it is a blessing. So here I am, no longer a shepherd boy in the fields. I am in the palace as both armor bearer to the king and chief musician. Out of nowhere, the prophet Samuel shows up at our house, and I am anointed to be the next king over Israel. It was exciting, but not easy. If Saul finds out, both Samuel and I could be dead meat. So there's that constant anxiety hovering over me. If Saul finds out what will happen, everything that happened so fast, the anointing, then chief musician, I mean, what's the odds of that? And living in the palace and then becoming armor bearer to King Saul, perhaps his most trusted servant. Whoa, it was an interesting plot. The promise of the prophet was, I would be next king, but how would all of that unfold? I was learning to wait upon the Lord. But within a year, the next big event happened. The Philistines were back on the war path, and this time they had a warrior champion, Goliath, a son of Anak, a giant over nine feet tall, a killing machine. Saul was out in the valley of Elah with the army. I was given a few days off and returned home to see my family. Back in Bethlehem, about six miles south of Jerusalem. When I arrived, I found my three oldest brothers had enlisted into the military and they had joined up with Saul in Elah. My father Jesse sent me to Elah with a stash of food for my brothers and the other soldiers to see how things were going on the battlefront. It was two long days of walking, uh, quite a journey to get to the encampment. But no sooner had I arrived and I saw why our nation was now paralyzed by fear. From the Philistines' military camp came out their champion into the middle of the valley to challenge our people. Send out a warrior to go one-on-one with me. The winner takes all. If he wins, all Israelis will be their slaves. If our guy wins, then the Philistines would be our slaves. But even worse, he mocked our God. This Goliath mocked our God. And the Israeli military just sat back and took it. I couldn't believe it. When I heard that uncircumcised pagan blaspheming my God, it was like some kind of switch went off inside of me. Anger swelled up in my heart. Crazy as it may sound, I knew I was the man to go out against him. I saw Saul and all of the troops cowarding in fear, which only made me more determined I cried out to the army, is there not a cause? Won't somebody rise up against him? Did you hear what he said, uh, that infidel speaking out blasphemies against our God? You all think maybe he's too big to fight. I see him as too big to miss. 
My brothers rebuked me, insulted me publicly, told me to go back home and tend the sheep where I belonged. They thought I had no chance against Goliath, but I know Goliath had no chance against my God. The battle was not mine. The battle is the Lord's. King Saul at first tried to talk me out of it. He said, it's a suicide mission for me and a genocide mission for our people. But I again felt that powerful sense of destiny upon me. It's as though God brought me here for this moment. Faith blew away all my fear. I told King Saul how, while I was a shepherd boy, a lion came into the fold one night, and God was with me. I slew the lion. It was a miracle. Another time, it was a bear, and I slew the bear. God was with me then, and I know that God will be with me now. These past two years, I had experienced the divine providence of God to put me where I was, but now... God is ready to crank it up from providence to the absolute miraculous. Saul agreed hesitantly to let me go. And after he heard my little God stories about the lion and the bear, he agreed to let me go to face the giant. He tried to hook me up with some of his armor and weaponry. I told him, thanks, but no thanks. My sling and stone will be all God needs to take out the giant. I went down into the nearby brook and took up five round smooth stones. See, word was out that Goliath had four giant brothers. Perhaps it would come to his rescue better safe than sorry. I said a little prayer with King Saul and General Abner, and it was time. Both armies were in formation on opposite sides of the valley. The Philistines to the northeast, the Israelis on the southwest. Out came Goliath, as he had done for some 40 days, to defy the armies of the living God and blaspheme the God of heaven. He was over nine feet tall and armed to the hilt. He made his little speech and called for an opponent. To his utter shock, I stepped out on the battlefield. But I knew it wasn't me stepping out. It was the Lord. He mocked me by his gods. He mocked me for being but a youth and called me a pretty boy. He said, am I a dog that you come out to me with staves and cursed me by his gods? He said, come to me, boy. I'll give you to the flesh and the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. You see, Goliath had no clue that those would be his final words that would ever come from his mouth. He would not have the final word in this battle. I yelled back at him, You come with a sword and a shield. I come in the name of the Lord of hosts. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hands, and both armies shall know that the Lord saveth not by sword or spear, but the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Game on, big boy. It is time. Goliath ran toward me. I put a stone in my sling and ran toward him. It's like I wasn't even there. All the fear was gone. I knew, I knew the Lord was with me. 
I stopped, spun a stone in my sling, let her fly, bullseye right between the eyes. <laughs> he stood stunned for a moment. Lights were out. He fell on his face. I ran up to him and used his own sword, which I could barely lift, and whopped off his ugly head. The Philistines saw it. They were shocked. They fled away in terror. Our army went after them in great confidence. A huge victory was wrought that day for the Jewish people. I was so thankful. Well, I stood stunned for a moment, not hardly believing what my eyes had seen and what I guess my body sort of had done. I stood over the carcass of the giant. I was trembling now, not out of fear, but just in awe of God. I had just been part of a huge miracle. The whole nation was watching me now. Everyone knew my name from that day forward. I sure didn't feel like it, but I was now a national hero. Why should I take credit for what God did? God had clearly written another chapter in my young life. It was a moment in time I will never forget. So I grabbed Goliath's head, carried it back to Jerusalem, gave it to King Saul. I was shocked and saddened by his response. Yes, he was happy. He was proud of me. He was glad that the, that battle was over. The giant was dead, but he didn't even recognize who I was. Wowzer, it was so sad to see Saul's cognitive abilities departing so fast. Maybe the pressure of it all, politics, military, economics, and doing it all alone as he had turned from the God of heaven. It was clear God also had departed him. It was so sad. Man, he didn't even recognize who I was. But the king did love me, and he greatly appreciated what I had done, and what I had sort of done. It was really the Lord. I can take no credit for it. He rewarded me with uh, another promotion. He made me a 16-year-old captain of the army. I don't even know if I wanted that position. I wasn't comfortable with this uh, this position. Captain David, it just didn't feel right. It was kind of a put down to the other military leaders for not rising up against Goliath, I guess. Well, they all outwardly respected me, but inwardly you could say they weren't very comfortable. They knew that this kid, David, was strong in faith, and that it was evident that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had his hand on this kid. So they graciously complied, but I never really was all that comfortable with being captain of the army. So now the shepherd boy, chief musician, armor bearer, is now Captain David. It wasn't long till other enemies rose up, and, and often, and God was with me. God brought one victory after another. My popularity was rising with no attempt on my own to be popular. And all the while, King Saul's decline continued. Saul had publicly promised to give his daughter's hand in marriage to whoever kills the giant. But that is a promise the king never kept. Oh, well, I do what I do for the Lord and not for men. Just seeing victory and freedom for our people is plenty reward for me. Well, a new season had begun in my life. As captain, 
which will last for only about seven years. The biggest event during this season wasn't even an event. It was a song that some gals wrote about me to show their appreciation. The song mentions Saul slaying his thousands, but David slaying his tens of thousands. As you might guess, <laughs> that song didn't play well with Saul. It all fanned the flames of jealousy and insecurity. Saul clearly distanced himself from me now more and more. Man, I'm wondering, had word gotten back to him about my anointing by Samuel to be the next king? That thought lingered always over my head. I just had to live with it. Trust God, do the next right thing. Well, one bright moment during that time was with Jonathan, the king's son. He got me alone one evening, looked in my eye. <laughs> one hero to another, I guess. We hooked up hearts. He looked me in the eye. He smiled and he said, we all know, David, you're going to be the next king, not me. And here's Jonathan, my best friend, who everybody expected would be the next king, the oldest son of Saul. He took off his princely uh, robe and put it on me. And he was willing to step down from being king to playing second fiddle. Boy, I'll never forget that night. What a giant he was on the outside with valor, but on the inside with character. I knew he was my best friend, but just how, how beautiful of a man he was really became evident to me that night. It's a moment in time again. I will never forget, so thankful for people of character that God puts into my life. Well, one afternoon, not too long after that, Saul sends me a letter saying he wanted to give his daughter Mirab's hand to me in marriage. <laughs> but uh, he was asking for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines as dowry. You might call it uh, bridal payment. Well, first of all, I was honored to be uh, married to a princess. That's pretty cool. But it was pretty clear to me and all my trusted advisors that it wasn't appreciation shown to me at all by the king. It was an attempt to get me killed and out of his political way once and for all. You know, a normal dowry would have been paid with uh, animals, with money, or land, not with the foreskins of an enemy combatants. I could see through his proposition. He didn't keep the promise the first time. Why should I expect him to keep it this time? But hey, I'm faith-driven, not fear-driven. I've seen God's hand of protection on me in the past, and I was trusting that his protection would be on me for the future. So I accepted his offer. But instead of 100 foreskins, I uh, gave him 200. You know, go big or go home. <laughs> His attempt to have me dead had failed, but it was common knowledge now. He wanted me gone one way or another. Well, Saul kind of kept his promise, but kind of didn't as well. He promised Mirab's hand to me in marriage, but last minute gave her to another man, and he changed uh, my bride to be Michael, his uh, youngest daughter hoping that she would be a snare unto me. I guess she had a little bit of a reputation of being out of uh, control. Which in the end, uh, 
she was a snare to me, but up front, our marriage seemed fine. She loved me. She helped rescue me from one of her father's early attempts to kill me directly. She helped me escape town, then put pillows in my bed under the covers to make it look like I was sleeping when Saul's henchmen came to arrest me, to capture me, and probably kill me. They saw the body in the bed, and they went to grab me, and it was just a bunch of pillows, and word gets back to Saul that she had conspired in aiding and abetting my escape. Saul was furious with her, and we all realized pressure is really on now. Saul was completely irrational. A sad and desperate man. No one was comfortable around him anymore. And I was just hoping for things not to go south and Michael would lose her life, but uh, he did spare her. This escape began a pretty horrible time of my life, probably the worst. I pretty much lost everything my job, my home, my career, my standing in the community. The king, for whom I had often jeoparded my own life, probably over a hundred times, was now terrified of me and wanted me dead. I didn't know who I could trust now. Snitching on me would earn political points with Saul. I was being called a fugitive from the law, yet I had broken no laws at all. The king smeared my name in our media. He put a bounty on my head, no place seems safe. Anyone who helps me is in danger of being politically assassinated. So now I'm a fugitive. I'd been on the top, and I knew God put me there. And now I'm on the bottom, and I guess God put me there as well. I'm now living life on the run, back into the Judean wilderness where I attended the family sheep for all those early years. Kind of knew my way around, knew where the caves and, and uh, the wells and springs were. I was pretty comfortable in the wilderness. I'm back, but this time I'm on the bottom. I'm constantly wondering, will Saul kill his own son, my best friend, Jonathan? Will he kill his daughter, Michael, my wife, who helped me escape, the answer to most all of my questions was the same. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. It was in the Lord's hands. It was the longest seven years of my life. The nation was now dividing over me. To my joy, a whole lot of folks remembered who took down a Goliath. They saw God's hand on me. And they never forgot it. They remembered that song those girls sang. They also saw the king, backslidden, desperate, unstable. Jonathan knew I was anointed next king. He was totally comfortable with that. He wanted God's will and God's glory over his own power and position. Oh, thank you, Lord, for Jonathan. He tried so hard to talk sense into his father's mind, but Saul was past sanity by this point. As I had jeoparded my life to save his father, Jonathan likewise jeoparded his life to save me from his father. How ironic is all of that? I covenanted with Jonathan that he would be my number one man when I became king. 
and that I would never harm any of his family, as pagan kings always destroyed any descendants of their predecessors. I would not bow to anything so full of hate and hurt as that. Man, how long was this fugitive life going to last? I lost my job, my home, my name's being smeared. I was asking the Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Teach me fast, oh Lord. I want to get out of here. I want this season to be over. Every day was a battle. Where would my next meal come from? Will someone recognize me randomly and kill me to collect on the bounty saw I put on my head? It wasn't fun at all, but I knew God always had a purpose. I could see that in the lives of the men I studied from the scriptures. I could see God was keeping me safe. He was daily making sure I had food to eat. I was kind of living a miracle day to day, though it wasn't fun and it wasn't easy. The Lord was with me. Not long after I fled Jerusalem safely, I went to the priest Abimelech in Nob. I kind of lied to him as to why I was there and had no food. I was so unprepared for my journey. I told him I was on the king's business and had to depart suddenly on the assignment. I guess I was on the king's business, not but not King Saul, the king God of heaven. Abimelech gladly fed me, gave me provision for my journey. But while I was there, I saw a servant of Saul there named Doag the Edomite, who was chiefest among Saul's herdmen. Man, I didn't like the look in his eyes. I sensed he could not be trusted, which sadly and horrifically became true. It wasn't long till Saul got word that I had been to see the priest and he came looking for me. Of course, the priest Abimelech was innocent of any offense and had no clue to all the backstage story going on. When Saul found Abimelech had helped me, Saul ordered his men to kill Abimelech and the handful of other priests who were there. The men were really on the spot, knowing Saul is a lunatic and these men were innocent. They chose civil disobedience and wouldn't harm the priest. But that guy, Doeg, he was still there, and he did Saul's dirty work. He killed them all. When word got back to me, I felt so horrible. I felt guilt. I felt I had part in affording their deaths. Saul had lost any semblance of sanity. He was bent on my assassination. Nothing would restrain him. Now, I felt desperate. I thought maybe it would be best for me to just get out of Israel completely. I don't want any of my sympathizers to wake up dead like these innocent priests. So I went to Gath in the land of the Philistines, got audience with Ashish, their king. He was shocked that a former Israeli military hero, the guy who took down Goliath, is there, shows up at his palace. He was gracious to me, wondering what was going on backstage in Israeli politics would bring me there. But I got really nervous. I have to trust God, not the Philistines, to save me from Saul. I'm really kind of embarrassed by what I did there. In my desperation, I feigned myself to be mad. I started 
mumbling like a lunatic, let my saliva run down my beard and foamed at the mouth. Aceus <laughs> got me out of there in a hurry. So back to the Judean wilderness I went. Man, I just didn't know what to do. My family came to see me. They took a huge risk in doing so. I'm so thankful that they did. But see, they were there for Samuel's anointing. They weren't buying into the smear a campaign against my name. They were there. They knew Samuel's anointing. They knew God was with me. They knew about the line. They knew about the baron. Everybody knew about the giant. They saw God's providence moving in my life. They had confidence that God had protected me. He, if he protected me, he would protect them as well. So it was so good to reconnect with them. Perfect timing. I needed it so much. Their faith sure helped reinforce my faith. They believed in me when it felt like no one else did. They had no answers for me, but love is always welcome. They strengthened me when I needed it the most. It was during those years on the bottom that a band of other desperados started showing up, joining in around me. They were a mixed bag of innocent men falsely accused as me. Men who just had fallen on hard times and lost it all, wanted to try to start over and heard about me and the Goliath, and uh, they were jumping in and coming alongside of me. Some were even a bit criminal in their past behaviors, and they were trying to redeem themselves and get a new start and serve under me as we were looked upon as kind of a vagabond group of militia. We grew to about 400 ragtag men, but these guys did not lack in courage. They leaned into me. They were listening and seeking not only my leadership, but they were reaching out to the God of heaven alongside of me. They loved my music. They memorized my psalms. They saw the divine hand of God protecting me and now upon them. These men would become very important men uh, in my life to come. So thankful for them. So I was still seeing God's hand working through me into their lives. Only God could write such a story. Saul was bent on killing me. Our nation's allies no longer trusted him. Our enemies no longer feared him. Israel was a mess the king was demented. I felt like I was a bit of a mess sometimes too. But God was my rock. In him I trusted. He alone is my salvation. He put me on the top for a while, and now he has me on the bottom, hopefully just for a while. He was emptying me out completely, taking away everything that humans would normally lean upon. My wife was given to another man while I was in exile. I was still losing. It seemed like everything, but my faith was growing. I could feel the hand of God upon me. As he was emptying me out of self, hopefully he is filling me with himself. I knew he was preparing me on the inside to be the king. And I wanted so bad to be a good king. This nation deserves so much better than what Saul had given them. How long will all this fugitive lifestyle last? I had no clue. 
but I was trying hard to make the best of it. I wanted to have a good attitude even in a bad situation. I knew God knew what he was doing, even when it made no sense to me. All I could do was the next right thing and trust God. Hey, thanks for tuning me in today. David, stage two. Lord Wellen, next week, continue the life of David in his own words. Please like, please subscribe, please help me get the gospel to the ends of the earth. Isn't the word of God awesome? I'm hoping you're getting into this narrative as we see how God worked in David's life. We're seeing how he works in our lives too. Hey, keep your eyes on Jesus. He loves you. Coming back soon, going home. He's going to rescue out of this mess that our world is now. We're on the winning team. Bye-bye for now.